Okay, we're recording. Quiet in the studio. Well, hello there. This is Jonathan Starkey, a.k.a. AbFab, and we have that wonderful group of panelists. We have Statsman. Say hello, sir. Hello there. Thank you very much, Mr. Mark Hartley. You're Say welcome. hello to the gazelle. Go on. Good evening, everybody, from Liverpool. Here we are on the first tee. From Liverpool. Oh, Liverpool. Okay. <laughs> All right. And uh, I'm in Malaysia. Okay. And we have, well, we have to have the Raven. Say hello, Steve. Excuse me. What do you mean we have to have? We do have. You're just part of the, you know, the furniture. What can we say? Go ahead. Well, I've got a creaky chair. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, listeners. Hope you're all having a great week in our wacky world that is the UK at the moment. Well, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. wets out, isn't it? get rid of that okay well this is another special and excuse this excuse me landlord landlord stop 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 what why is your top unzipped quite low it's a bit disturbing oh, stop you're giving all the game away right between you and the gazelle in his dressing gown i don't know what sort of place you're running here well okay well it's uh that's the kind of house it is what can we say right okay raven if you don't want to be muted be quiet now. Oh, here we go. It, warnings, warnings, warnings. It's like North Korea on here. Yeah, well, this is like, you know, I'm going to give you it. It's surveillance, and I'm actually checking into you. So here we go. Right. This special is about surveillance. And obviously, we're unraveling the diverse dimensions of surveillance, you know, within the country. So as an introduction, in the digital age, surveillance has become an omnipresent force in our lives raising profound questions about privacy, security, and individual liberties. The United Kingdom, like many other nations, grapples with the delicate balance between safeguarding national security and protecting citizens' fundamental rights. And we're hoping that in the discussion piece that we're going to be doing tonight, we explore the various forms of surveillance in the UK, highlighting the implications and challenges they pose. I'm just going to put in straight away. I wouldn't even trust the government so far as I can throw them. But go ahead, Steve. This is a special that you brought up and you wanted to speak about. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a subject, actually, which is um, close to my heart, actually. I've been taking an interest in this for around about 10 years or so, and I'll come to a, a, a reason on that uh, in, in a few moments. But I'll just start with, I mean, you've hit on two points there uh, in, in your opening introduction, which I've got down here, actually. So it's, we're on the same wavelength to say to, to say the least here now surveillance technology in a free democracy the balance between justifiable national security which is what you mentioned and everyday exponential growing use of high-tech surveillance data processes eroding freedoms privacy and rights now i'm going to come to a couple of very serious points uh, in a few minutes if they I are may. always serious points with you steve I have to say. Well, I, I think this is a very serious matter, actually. And I think given our children and our grandchildren's future in this country, yeah. I think we have a duty to protect their freedom. So the UK has seen an unprecedented rise in the use of surveillance systems, which has taken place particularly during the past 10 years or so. Increasingly, the use of surveillance technology has become much more sophisticated, utilising data collection systems which identify and store 
unique biometric data to include facial, iris, and fingerprint uh, scans. Now, I just need to touch on this for a minute because these scans, when they're done, algorithms, the scans are converted to a biometric algorithm which identifies the person uniquely from their personal data. Your iris, your facial recognition, your, your fingerprint scans, all unique. There's no other person like you on the planet, and it's your personal data. Now, the collection of this massive ethical consequences for a society, especially as currently we are moving more and more to what can only be described as the, as a Orwellian dystopian state. Now, increasingly, I'm going to give a bit of a, a massive shout-out, actually, to an organisation here called Big Brother Watch. Now, they have a lot of detailed data. They've been a campaign organisation. I've used them periodically uh, for updates on what's going on. Very detailed, very knowledgeable people run a lot of massive campaigns on this kind of stuff. Uh, they are up against it, and they do fight a lot of very big battles in terms of protecting freedoms, rights, and privacy and privileges. But what they're indicating at the moment is that increasingly huge sporting events, concerts, protests in particular, are all now having systems utilised, such as facial recognition systems, uh, by the police at these events, protests, concerts, sporting events, Public systems, which I'm going to come to in a minute, CCTV systems are increasingly using facial recognition, which stores the data. I went. I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I went to the Asda and Ellsmith port, and I need to follow this up because as you walk in the front, Jonathan, you see a screen. Yeah, that's right. And, it, and they've also got it in Morrison's. Yes. Now, have you seen on the screen as you walk in the Asda one, it, it a little green square highlights somebody's face. So I did inquire, and the guy on security d didn't know for sure if it was facial recognition. So I need to follow that up. But the point is, this is increasingly taking place within uh, high-profile uh, chains of business up and down the land in shops, schools. I'll come to that in a minute. In fact, I'll mention that now because back in 2012, the local school, Blaken High School, and I believe they still have the system now, implemented, now get this, they implemented a biometric fingerprint scanning system for the kids in the school to use the school canteen. Now, I don't care what anybody says. You have to balance the need for security against the use. Now, do we really live in a country where it's necessary to scan a child's fingerprint using a biometric registration process to be able to use a school canteen? I'm sorry, but this is reminiscent of China, the most surveilled state in the entire world. And we're now, a close second to it. We're a close absolutely, second. Absolutely. Now, we've got CCTV cameras going on everywhere. And I'm going to bring in uh, another issue here, which is this. These systems are now increasingly being utilised in workplaces, which is either facial recognition systems yeah. or fingerprint scanning systems. Now, in some places, they're saying to the employees, which, by the way, if anybody's listening and is particularly interested in this, you do not have to consent. No employer can make you use a fingerprint scanning system or anything else like that. Now, 
here is the point. I saw last week um, uh, an online video by a staff member of Cheshire Western Chester Council indicating, I think his name was Curtis, that the Cheshire Western Chester Council CCTV system, uh, which runs, I think they have, uh, I think he said they have 305 CCTV cameras in public spaces, including Chester, Ellesmere Port, Frodham, Neston, and Northwich, are all being updated. So I've sent in some freedom of information questions today to Cheshire Western Council, Cheshire Western Chester Council, asking, is the new system that's being implemented utilising facial recognition systems? And if so, how much it's cost, whose decision it was, and if this is indeed the case that they're putting facial recognition systems in, has there been a public consultation? My guess is, if it is a facial recognition system, there's been no consultation. And this is the whole point, because all of these systems have huge moral and ethical attachments. Because on the Cheshire West and Chester Council video on their social media page, the guy, Curtis, says that they're improving the system for their customers, their customers being law enforcement and businesses. Does it necessarily mean if the system being utilised or being implemented by the council is using facial recognition data, collecting your unique personal data without your consent or even, in many cases, probably knowledge, if they are doing this, are they then sharing it and passing it on to private businesses? Well, let's rationalise this. Let's break right. it up. Well, just one second, Steve. Let's break it up because what we're talking about here is the different branches of surveillance. We can talk about the technology till the cows come home, but we're talking, number one, government surveillance. Number two, law enforcement surveillance. Number three, which you mixed in there, corporate surveillance. And the fourth part is cyber surveillance and hacking which I think one of our panellists knows all about, which we're going to do another special on, hacking. Now, the balance is not quite there because you're raising implications of certain things about people gathering information against our will and knowledge because we are not able to opt out. And I would like to bring in... Statsman, right now, and then we'll yield back, unless uh, the gazelle's got anything to say about that, but Stats, go ahead. I'm worried about what happens with all this data. So, for instance, Steve mentioned protests, and I've witnessed this. I've been filmed on many of them. So once they've collected this data of all these people on the protests, mm -hmm. and I notice it's only the protests that counter the government's agenda. So what do they do with this data behind the scenes? Are they using it to maybe persecute people and, you know, throw spanner in the works? Also, I've noticed sometimes you go to bars and they're going to scan your ID yep. in case you commit a crime in there. That's not how our law works. So you're basically being found guilty before you've even committed a crime or even thought of committing a crime. Correct. It's shocking. So the impacts on society for this are absolutely shocking. Well, nightclubs will be sharing in a really, really simple way. Nightclubs share photographs of what they consider to be troublemakers coming into the clubs and they share it with all the other clubs. 
Mark, go ahead. Just go, yeah, there is things like pub watching things, but they're for people who have actually done something. Yes, I agree. And and give and a negative vibe to vibe to pubs and clubs, and probably maybe people who probably don't want them in there. Maybe some of them made a mistake, a rash decision at the time, and you can appeal. But this is basically well, what is their information right? in case they do something wrong? What is their right to having those photographs taken off those walls? You're not allowed to actually put the photographs on walls. I remember someone put some criminals' pictures on bus stops and they, were, they had to take them down. But they're just for the use of the premises. So if someone comes in there who's known you know, known to be violent, yeah, I think that's, that's justifiable. Okay. But again, it's like Steve, it's, it's a balance of the need, isn't it? Versus author, authoritarian desires. On a once bitten, twice shy Mm. Uh, you know, point of view. Go ahead, and Trevor. We, have, and we haven't even got to the fact of all the data that they're just collecting that, yeah. you know, companies and things and selling it. Go ahead, Trevor. So we go straight back to what we discussed on a previous podcast, back yeah. to the Frankfurt 11-point plan, whereas the criminals are basically more protected than the victims. Yes, Yes, that, cases, yeah. that that could be the case. And I've broken it down into those four different areas in order for us to be able to gather some sort of a bigger picture about what's going on. And I stated quite clearly, and I will yield to the Raven after I said this, I stated quite clearly, I do not trust the government. I can remember no. when I was calling up HMRC, and it's not that I don't trust the individual employees of HMRC, but they wanted to take a voice print and basically so that you would get through quicker without having to be authenticated about who you are with questions. So, yes, in certain ways, the technology does speed things up. But to hark back to what Steve was saying earlier on, if you go in to a supermarket and they have facial recognition as you're walking in and then... They have cameras, CCTV cameras on you as you're paying, because that's the trend now. They have CCTV on that. They are able to act as a source for any government department or law enforcement to be able to track your whereabouts to what you did. Okay? Quick point, Trevor, and then yield to Steve, please. Yeah, I will do. Yeah, very quick point. Again, we're back to the Frankfurt 11 plan. Yeah, yeah. Socialism, communism, back to China, facial res- re- recognition. It's all heading back to the Chinese socialist communist society. Yeah, yeah. It's as simple as that. You, you cannot get away from it. And we are the second in the world, not nearly, we are the second to China. Yeah. Only the only one that might be in competition is America, but by pure size, we we have got to be second. Steve, go ahead. Yeah, thanks. I just want to make a couple of points here, and one of them is massive. First of all, Mark mentioned there that in this country our laws don't work, where you collect data on the basis that uh, people may commit a crime. You know, you're innocent in pr- until proven guilty. That's how it's supposed to be. That's how it should be. 
But what we're doing now, we're just collecting data all over the place. And the question is, who has access to it? Can it be manipulated? Can it be presented as something else? Can it be utilised elsewhere against you without you even knowing? Can people create files on you? It might sound a little bit conspiratorial, that, but the bottom line is we are heading towards uh, a very much an Orwellian dystopian society. In my view... We are very fast entering the world. The, the 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 last stages of creating a full blown Orwellian dystopia, and what is being allowed or even deliberately facilitated is nothing reminiscent of a free common law society in a supposed democracy. We are losing that at an unprecedented rate, and it's very serious. Are you saying that all the different things that we discussed on the previous podcast about Frankfurt and all the Wokerati and all the rest of these things, they're all part of this, and this is just another step. Is that what you're saying, Steve? Absolutely. I do. I'll, I'll give another you step in control. In control. Total control. That is, there's, it's not another step. It's, uh, I'm going to come to a major point now, which I'm going to flick off the screen, and I need to read something out here. And it's very serious. Now, I just want to make a quick point before I do, which is this I mentioned the school. Blaken High School in 2012, and this has been going on in schools all over the country for well over 10 years, where schools have been taking biometric fingerprint scans of the kids. That is a form of pre-programming the next next generation yep. to accept, accept that the use of their data, their fingerprint scans, facial and iris recognition systems, is the norm. It isn't. Not in a free society. Now, I've still got in my filing cabinet here a number of statements from parents at the time who were told by their kids who went to school that their kids were virtually forced to use this system. And I've got one statement. I'm going to try and find it for you for next week, Mm -hmm. where one of the kids, as an example, said he was told that if he didn't put his finger on this machine to have his fingerprints scanned, he couldn't have his dinner. Right. And this happened to this happened to kids on free school dinners. Wow. Right? That's, now, I, I'm going to find that for you for next week. I've got it. That's donkey and stick. Yeah, I get it. Right. Sorry, now, donkey, carrot now, and stick. I could give you some other examples. I'll try and find some of the statements. I can't name the wrong. People. Totally wrong. Right. But here, listen to this. When that original information came through from the school, it was on a Thursday. I remember this very well. I was campaigning on this. And I've been on this subject for years. And I got in touch with other campaigners, and they got in touch with me from all over the country. Uh, they could see what's going on. Now, an information sheet came through where you had to opt out. And if you didn't fill the form in and get it back to the school before the Monday, they were going to fingerprint scan your kids. So it was an opt out. Otherwise, if you didn't opt out, they were going to do it. That's it. So... I rang the school and I got through to headmistress and my conversation went with her as such. If there's one thing you've failed to do next week, it is not ensuring that my son does not have his fingerprint scans taken. Because if you do, I threatened her. I'll see you in court. Now I'm going to come quickly to a point and then I'm going to read you something out from Big Brother Watch, which is serious. The form used what George Orwell referred to as doublespeak because on the form it said, this is a great new system. The future is in 
your hands. Meaning the future, i.e. is in your hands. The fingerprint scans is the way forward ahead. Now I picked it up because I sussed out what was going on that you could only use the school canteen if you agreed to use your biometric data to access it. Mm -hmm. Then I linked it with the financial system. So I was years ahead on this. Now I'm just going to switch over and I'm going to read a clip, a very short paragraph here from Big Brother Watch as follows. Now listen to this. And it refers to the Prime Minister's plan for CBDCs. A march towards digitalization and the proliferation of private cryptocurrencies from the Treasury's justification for these proposals. However, the case for a centralized digital currency has still not been fully made, nor is it immediately apparent where CBDC would fit into our existing financial system. What is clear, though, is that the introduction of a so-called Bitcoin would constitute a major change to our society and would come at a cost to our civil liberties. But what they're also saying is that this system of CBDCs would not be possible without the utilisation of biometric recognition systems. So it means that in the end, there is no currency because you take out the physical currency, which was once backed by the gold standard, because all the banks are bankrupt. The only thing you have left to trade is the people. Yeah. And to do it, you have to identify them. And we're heading towards a totalitarian dystopian state where the government will own and know everything about you and can switch you off remotely. Think about that. Indeed. Go ahead. Will you yield to Statsman, please? You know, one thing we've forgotten to mention here is the hypocrisy, which is a trademark of the left these days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, massive infringement of our rights. You know, these universal rights they bang on about all the time and use when we try and deport criminals who shouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah, those rights. So again, it's selective laws and rights, isn't it, really? When it works in their benefit, great. If it worked in our benefit. Well, nobody's don't, saying we don't, whether... We don't get them. Nobody's saying whether these um, illegal migrants have been fingerprinted. Probably not. They probably no, scrubbed no, the fingerprints no. off on the way here somehow. Yeah, no, definitely not. No, because as you've said there, stats, the criminals actually rubbed the fingerprints off. It's a fact. Yeah. That's it. Go ahead, stats. Someone said it before. We need a legal, we need a legal precedent on this. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's got to protect their data and everyone needs to fight back and just refuse to use as much as they can. And then well, make an example of people like Farage is done with his issue, people releasing his his you know, his wealth. It's not on. Well it's a big it's private information and I hope he takes them down hard and this is what we all need to be doing now. It's a big one in the music industry as well, about all the data because think about it. Yeah. Think about it. YouTube, Google, all those different people. Right, last last word on it, Steve. Yeah, uh, Mark used a phrase there, actually. It was quite interesting. We should all refuse to use it. I did have a, a campaign running under that banner headline, actually, refuse to use, and I was encouraging people to do so. I actually fear that if we don't turn this around now very fast, we will live in a dystopian society and we will lose our freedoms entirely. And I think everybody needs to wake up to this very quickly. Okay, well, I'm going to be calling it there. And let me just summarize. Surveillance, in its various forms, 
has woven itself into the fabric of modern society in the UK. Striking a balance between security imperatives and individual privacy remains the ongoing challenge. It's essential for policymakers, citizens and organisations to engage in transparent and constructive discussions to ensure that surveillance practices respect fundamental human rights, which is what you're talking about, Steve, and what Mark is talking about, whilst addressing legitimate security concerns. Now, only through that dialogue can we navigate the complexities of surveillance in the digital age, fostering a society that is both secure and respectful, which in our terms of what we want, of individual liberties. And I would like to thank Steve for bringing up this whole issue about surveillance. And I'd like to thank everybody here this evening for taking part in that special. Thank you very much. Here we go. Well, I think we've got to say goodbye. Sayonara. Alvidazem. Did you know that we're being surveillanced? I'm surveilling you right now. <laughs> Always remember, when the cameras point at the local government... You have democracy. When the cameras point at the public, you have fascism. Indeed, indeed, indeed. I would agree with you. Right, well, that's a good night from the Raven. Okay. Points well made. Say good night, stats. Ta da. Say good morning, Gazelle. See y'all. <laughs> all right, and that's me. Well, thank God that's all over again. Another one ready to be edited. Severely. <laughs> In <Randy's> case. <laughs> oh, there we go. Au revoir. Oh. Steve. What? Do you worry about cameras being on you every day? Well, not with my good looks, really, in one sense, no. But I always give the Asda cameras a rather... Uh, a little signal when I'm on them at the tills, the self-serve tills, which I try and avoid using, to be quite honest. Do you know that the government actually, they actually do <laughs> categorise good looks? You know, and I have it on good authority that you're not in the top category. <laughs>